Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one podcast for your post-Thanksgiving coma. I hope everybody had an uh, incredibly wonderful time uh, enjoying enjoying the Huskies week off at least. Maybe you saw a little bit of uh, other college hockey action around the nation, but uh, you know, I I sat at home, uh, did a lot of domestic, put up the put up the Christmas tree, put up Christmas lights. I had um. I had a brunch at uh, Coyote Moon and uh, with the in-laws, and then um, also welcomed a uh, new nephew, uh, Felix, uh, just joined us in the world here on 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 Saturday. So oh. yeah, I'm on I'm on cloud nine. You know, a new family member and a, a just a ton of food. I'm happy. Yes, uh, congratulations to uh, the Felix family. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Weldy here, uh, sitting with Andrew, uh, talking to Huskies Hockey. We're going to go over a little bit about uh, a recap about what happened in college hockey last week um, as we kind of pertain to a little bit of uh, the uh, the women's side as well. We'll talk uh, a little bit. As Andrew, you said you were, or you, you were able to watch the women's game? Yep, on Saturday. Yep. On Saturday, yep, as they were to... Come across uh, or uh, come out with a sweep uh, on the road at RPI. Correct. I it's my first time watching them this year. Tough for me to comment on the women's team if I haven't actually watched them play. So it was nice to get some video uh, and and watch them on Saturday. And I don't think RPI is I, you know in college women's the the women's side is still so top heavy. I don't think RPI is necessarily very good um and in the huskies conference still sort of dominated by the same old minnesota wisconsin now this year ohio state is kind of the third team that's competing you know seriously competing in in that conference got to give a little bit of credit to minnesota duluth Duluth's well. always there and bemidji has had a decent has had some good years in the past I think they're a little bit down this year but um, so it's still going to be tough sledding for the Huskies in the WCHA, but it was nice to see them take care of an opponent that I think they were better than. Uh, it's nice to see that they have a, a Finnish connection as well. Um, I think her first name is Yanina. Uh, Nyland had a hat, ha- had a hat trick on Saturday, and I thought the the third goal was an empty netter, but the first two were, were I thought impressive shots. She's got a nice little snipe uh in her game uh and they seem to run they don't have i'm not sure if it's uh if there is this emma gentry also is a pretty impressive player for them and she had a couple of goals on friday i wasn't able to see that game but uh uh they do play on the same line occasionally i don't think it's all all the time or could just be the the power play um that they share time on but uh Seems like that's where the majority of their offense is coming from. Uh, are those those two players? And uh, it was uh, like I said, I enjoyed watching the game um, and enjoyed the uh, you know the, the women's teams always had a little bit different jerseys. So this they had the the C, but you know it, it was very much like the men's black road jerseys, except instead of the black, it was all red. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that's a pretty good look. Um, I absolutely love the women's jerseys. I like. I would, I would buy a game worn women's jersey in a heartbeat and wear that probably to every home game. Yeah. Like I, I just think they look so nice. I wish the men would 
have that style and ha- have that jersey as well. Yep. So even though the men's team was was idle this weekend, uh, women took care of business out east, uh, and so good to see that and good to uh, catch a game. Uh, you know, not in person, obviously, but but uh, streaming wise. So go Huskies! Woo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was able to watch um, uh, them. They swept Lindenwood as the first uh, series. So I watched a little bit of the squad, and it, you know, I, and I even tweeted out to, I was like, they're, they're going to surprise some teams. I think there's, they do have quite a bit of talent, and obviously, you know, with um, Lucy there in net, I mean, she's just a top-tier goalie, um, and she is, I, I think really able to kind of, you know, kind of steal the game. Um, I think what's really tough for women's college hockey in general is just, I, I it's it's an old Herb Brooks-ism, I guess you could say, is that you widen the base, then you widen the summit. So how Herb Brooks, you know, kind of came up and, you know, why he wanted to expand college hockey, you know, Division One to St. Cloud when everyone thought he was nuts was because he wanted more opportunities for Minnesota high schoolers to play at the next level. So you widen the base um, and you're able to build it up. And then, you know, it, it, it's just more traction that you get in the pros. And I think women's hockey is kind of stuck here because they don't have the underlying support I don't see from the schools beneath uh, that kind of treat women's athletics in general as kind of a toss away or whatnot. It's tough because I feel like, you know, women's college hockey is always going to be behind that eight ball because you do have kind of the blue buds of college hockey that are going to get some of the best recruits because they've got that pass and they've got that history and whatnot. So it's going to be, you know, until they get a little bit more support from school districts and whatnot at the lower level, I think, you know, it's going to be a little bit tough for women's college hockey to 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 get to a place where it's a little bit more competitive, where you have more than you know three or four teams that are just going to dominate. Yeah, they haven't they haven't reached the parity yet. I mean, mm-hmm. think of it as like the men's game was thirty forty years ago, where it really was the traditional powers, and then everybody else. Whereas nowadays in the men's game, I mean, Saint Cloud State is a you know elite program, and and and. Quinnipiac and just think of the that that those kind the, the kind of schools that they're hockey only schools that now are in the conversation when it comes to the best programs in the country. It's still going to take the women's game a, a while to get to that level, but still there is a fair amount of randomness. I mean, Clarkson has won a national title in the last few years and they're they're off to another great start. It's like Mercyhurst, I know, has had a traditionally very good program and their men's program is pretty nondescript. So it's like, and I think out east, especially, there's some more, not there's maybe not so much parity, but because I think the western schools still dominate from a national title standpoint. Um, but at least out east, there are some more just random schools that that have found success. So uh, I wouldn't put I'd say you know, Saint Cloud has that opportunity, and they're in a they're in a good spot geographically from a recruiting standpoint that it can happen. Um, and yeah, maybe they don't have the uh, facilities that the Gophers and Duluth and Wisconsin and those, those schools have, but 
I think that it's not it, it's not going to shock me um, to see them, you know, field a you know not just a competitive team, but some a team that can go to the tournament. And so, uh, which, which was recently expanded. It it was. I know so, that. Oh, yep, it was expanded to eleven teams. Um, and the reason why eleven is because yeah. just strictly. Uh, percentage because it's the same percentage of teams that make as the men's side. So, so is the like the number one overall seed going to get a buy? I think that's or the they're probably no. It's going to be have to be a couple of buys involved. Yeah. Probably like just weird why they wouldn't make it twelve. Just make it twelve. It would yeah. make it so much easier from a bracket standpoint. But but no, that's good. Uh, I know that that has been a a rally cry to to uh, get some more teams in the tournament. And and so that's always a good thing. Transferring over to the men's side, the week in review, you know, we talked a little bit about really the one major game that we had on the docket that had both of our intention would be that um, Minnesota St. Cloud, or geez, that Minnesota North Dakota game. Uh, and that, is, that took place up at the Ralph. Ended up in... A split, which is fairly, I, w- I would say, predictable. I was not able to watch as much as the game as I wanted to. You were able to watch a little bit more. How how was everything? How was the uh, how was the atmosphere? How were the games? What were your kind of takeaways? Yeah, I thought I thought there were, there were two good games. The Gophers played very well on Friday. I thought, um, you know, the score was I think five to one, but there was there was an empty netter. It was basically three to one. They had an empty netter and then they actually scored another goal with when they put Driscoll back in. Uh, so I don't think it was really indicative of a five to one game um, closer than that. Uh, and then on Saturday, you know, I thought North Dakota played very well, even through, you know, into the third period, the Gophers were still under 10 shots total. Um, so they took a while for them to wake up and they did make the make it a game at the end. Scored a couple of goals in the third to make it three to two, but then North Dakota uh, hung on and and was able to salvage the split. Um, didn't realize how uh, North Dakota has traditionally laid an egg on Thanksgiving weekend, uh, going back even close to a decade, you know, into the Hackstall era. Um, this they've typically played a series on you know, Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. And a lot of times it's, it's a, I think they've only won one series, swept one series in that time period. And that was against the Gophers a couple years ago. If you remember the, I think it was, I actually think they played on Thanksgiving. I think it was a Thursday, Friday, and they beat them like nine to three in one of those games. I think it was Motsko's first year, maybe his second year. I think that's the only time that they've had a winning, you know, a, a sweep on this weekend series. And they've, you know, they lost to St. Lawrence one of those years. Uh, they lost a bad Michigan State uh, one of those years. So it's kind of been a letdown weekend for them traditionally. But for them to get a, a split against a pretty good Gopher team, I mean, Gopher team that's kind of been in Splitsville for the last you know month or so plus, uh, and they've been playing a tough schedule. I'll give them that. Um, but. I was kind of, you know, after the after the Huskies played the Gophers, haven't been overly thrilled with the way the Gophers have played since then. And 
So I thought that both teams played pretty well this weekend, and I thought the split was the you know the 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 most logical outcome. Um, and so yeah, it's good. Good series uh, as far as it's the atmosphere that I could tell just watching it on TV seemed not like the classic days. I mean, something has been lost between uh, between that rivalry with the, the new conference. But, you know, it's still there's still plenty of hatred. They, they must be doing some 20 year. Uh, thing about the Ralph, uh, the, the 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 North Dakota broadcast because they in, in the intermission they've been doing this thing where it's like memories of the Ralph. So they did like that Pagansky game winning penalty shot thing from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, then this weekend, at least the Saturday game, uh, the the memory of the Ralph was when the Gophers lost to Holy Cross, and just like <laughs> you can't even in North Dakota, you can't even pick a game that you guys played in, but. It's kind of one of those things like when like Vi- the best uh, game for the Vikings, one of the best games in Vikings history is when the Packers lost to uh, the Seahawks. Uh, it's kind of had that sort of feeling uh, where it's like really you just all you're there for is to, to rub that's, the salt in the wounds there. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. But, you know, the the amazing thing about that and, you know, I, I've got a little bit of, I guess, of a different view on it. I I just I I look at that game as a turning point for college hockey because that was the game that you know kind of you know at the time it was like oh my gosh that's embarrassing that's embarrassing but then I think the like every year since then or almost every year since then a four has taken out a one yeah I mean now it's just commonplace and that sure was the first time. it has a little bit yeah. to do with it but that was the first time that a, that a four had been a one and. Mm-hmm. What I think is forgotten a little bit is the Gophers were not the number one overall seed that year. They were the number two overall seed. Holy Cross, yep. Holy Cross was in the 20s in pairwise. So just looking from a pairwise perspective, the Huskies lost to Ferris F and State. To Ferris. Was, yep. more, was more of a embarrassment. Um, so people kind of think that this, because they still they had two, they had, this is back when, what was the, uh, was it the CHA? The conference that Bemidji was in it's like a six-team yep. division, so they still had that and Atlanta Hockey, and they both got automatic berths. So mm-hmm. you would have two of those kind of teams, um, you know, heavy be heavy underdogs. They would still have so two of those teams would would make the tournament in those days. And so the, I I think that a lot of people think that the Gophers were the number one overall seed that year, but they weren't. Um, so it's, uh, but yeah, as you're, you're correct. Cause I think it's something like every year, except one or two, there's been a four seed beating, beating a one seed, uh, in the tournament. And so, yeah, that was, uh, we're talking about parody in, in the women's game. That was, as you said, uh, an important turning point as far as seeing how much the parody had, had, uh, yeah, spread in the men's game. Whereas not yeah nowadays uh you know and it uh, only took like fifty some years something like that <laughs> before, yeah. before. give or take give or take so yeah and of course and of course they had to play the uh, the famous uh, Holy Cross student broadcast clip <laughs> of the game winning goal which K fan still plays about three times a day so that was all that's always that's always classic I. I'm happy you 
brought brought up a little bit about you know the atmosphere and whatnot. I, 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 I remember a time when that was just appointment viewing for me. Like I didn't care who won. I just knew it was just going to be you know a heated, hated, hatred filled battle. And I just that I just feels like it's just lost its luster. I just it, it doesn't feel appointment viewing to me anymore. And I just think you know the conference reshuffling. You know I saw so many people talk about how it's the best rivalry in college hockey, and I'm like, well, it definitely hasn't been for the last ten years. I don't right. think. Yeah, I think the um, I think it would have mellowed even if the conferences hadn't split. I think there just would have been a natural sort of mellowing of it. Um, but the conference split is a big part of it. I mean, just think of all the final five games between those teams or yeah. even uh, NCAA tournament games. Uh, and you haven't had, though. You haven't had a the only games that they've played since the conference split have been these sort of non-conference crew of Thanksgiving weekend, or, you know, they played the Vegas game a couple of years ago, but generally early season games, which, you know, they they all count the same in the formula in the pairwise, but let's face it. It's not the same sort of, uh, stakes as, you know, the, winning the conference tournament uh or you know something like that so that's where i think the the uh, tough part is as far as that really sort of put a big dent into that rivalry and i wonder if if you talk to you know north dakota fans now and especially maybe younger ones that don't have as much history going back to the 90s or let's say when they have like, you know, personal experiences with the Gophers. I wonder if, uh, you know, like current, let's say current North Dakota students, like who would they say would the, the biggest rivalry be right now? You know, cause I think there's a pretty strong one that's continued throughout this new conference with Denver. Obviously you had long rivalry with them before that, but then, you know, St. Cloud was their WCHA travel partner for, 10, 15 years. And so they've been playing St. Cloud twice a year for 20 years now. And they have sort of been the, I think they've won the majority of the Penroses between those two. So they're always playing important games. And then you got Duluth as well. Once they win a couple of national titles, that elevates that rivalry as well. And you're playing these teams in the playoffs and you, you're playing these teams with, with lots of things, lots of, you know, Lots of stuff to to win and lots lots to lose. So, would they really say that the Gophers are even at the top of their rivalry list right now? I'm not sure. So, and that, and that, and you make a good point too. It's because you, the polling, like the student, the students or whatnot. It's like, yeah, they could hear stories about how great whatever rivalry was, but you know, eventually, it's just going to come off as okay, boomer. You know that that doesn't really matter because they're not in our conference. They we we're, we're chasing trophies with these people, not um, you know, not not Minnesota anymore. So it's you know th- that that's always what I like to say when you know Gopher fans will bring up you know talking about how everybody wants to play for the U of M or it's every childhood's dream to do that. And it was like, 
yeah, maybe it was in the 70s or, you know, maybe it was even in the early 90s. But your your recruits that are coming up now remember when there were four solid options for college hockey in the state of Minnesota alone. And obviously very close is, you know, a couple more. So it's it, it, it's always just kind of nice to remember that, yeah, your recruits are, you know, 16, 17 years old. You know, what do they remember? You know, it's a lot easier to catch all of the games. Your one team isn't on MSC anymore and all across the state, and that's it. You know, there's just so many more options. So that's that that that's kind of where where I'd like to say is you know I'm always trying to press forward. Where are we going? Where are we developing? Because uh, you know we can wax nostalgia all we want and 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 whatnot, but in the end, it's you know the drive of what's coming up next is going to get more butts in the seats for the series that are coming up. Yeah. Just like you said, a 16 year old recruit, the last time that the Gophers in North Dakota were in the same division, they would have been eight years old. You know, so it's, I can't imagine that there's a ton of, uh, concrete they're, they're not going to talk about memories. the timeout game. <laughs> they're not going right. to talk about the, the, Wheeler's diving goal. They're not going to talk about <laughs> the, know? the handshake line fight, you know, yes. they weren't alive then probably. So, uh, I saw I saw that game. I was actually down at Tom Reed's pub. <laughs> and um I was chatting up two girls that were at the bar and talking to them. They were North Dakota fans and they were just so upset because they were supposed to go to that game, but the tickets they had from the other guys fell through. So I was just talking to them all night and, and just kind of BSing with them, and then you know the game was over. And then all of a sudden, yeah, there was. Why were you down at Tom Reed's? No clue. I don't know why. You just know you, you go where the action is. Yeah, <laughs> you know we can kind of dovetail that in into you know our series coming up with North Dakota, and you know we we had a week off. Uh, you know we had you know something that I found really interesting was henches or not well. Henches questionable for the series. Larson uh, was talking to Mick Hatton um, on the rink live uh, and pretty much said that he's going to be 100%, you know, he's going to go for Bemidji. Um, but this week it's questionable. So I would imagine he's going to be out. Uh, but he said a little bit of uh, interesting uh, comments also about, um, you know, his choice on uh, Brodzinski and Bushy sitting. So I'll go ahead and play a quick clip of that right now I, I don't know if i want to go quite that far but it was uh, an interesting move on your part uh, brendan bushy and and easton brodzinski both out of were they both a little bit banged up or or was that just a coach's decision on your part a little bit of both a little yeah. bit of both with that and uh there was some um you know uh yeah a little bit of i can say this a little bit of both uh you, you look into those injuries and just how some guys are trending and, and, and things. I don't want to give too much away there, Rick, but uh, uh, a little bit of both came into those decisions. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and sometimes, and I'm speaking as a, as a youth coach, I mean, sometimes <laughs> you have to, you have to kind of set a tone and it doesn't matter who it is. Right. I mean, you, no. sometimes you gotta, you gotta take a guy that even if he's played 130, 140 games in, in your you know, in, in, in your program and, and say, listen, we need you to be better than that. 
Yeah. As a coach, you, you have to hold everybody accountable. You can't just hold some people accountable. And, and sometimes that comes down to some of your guys that have played a lot for you. And some of those decisions are, are big picture decisions. They, they may or may not help you right in the moment. Uh, but as much as we're trying to, to, to beat Western Michigan that night, we're also trying to build the right culture that that'll last and sustain through a second half push, obviously, and help this group keep getting better. And sometimes some, some accountability things, um, some, some messages to push guys, maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone, things like that. Uh, sometimes health related for sure. You know, and like I said, a lot, a lot of those things came into this, but you've got to do those big picture things that you hope is going to put your team on the right path in the second half of the year. Yeah. I don't know what you have to take. You know, I don't know what your take is on that. To me, that sounds like a benching, you know, he, sure. He kind of said, yeah, a little bit of illness, a little bit of that. But, you know, and when he brought up being accountable and accountability, that seems to me that it was a benching for Brodzinski. I guess that's a bold strategy. He was really talking big picture. But when you've had such little success in Lawson, maybe you're just waving the flag, switching up, putting the lines in a blender, seeing what happens. I don't know. I thought, you know, if you're struggling to score that much five on five, benching your top goal or one of your top goal scorers is an interesting move. I'll say that. Yeah, I agree. I I think last week I was clear that I thought the coaching changes on Saturday were head scratching. I'm not against he He knows the locker room better than I do, obviously. Uh, And if he thinks this can light a fire, I mean, I see the, reasoning for it just felt like a weird timing for it. And you can say maybe it was the perfect timing for it because they just got worked on Friday and wanted to change something. And I don't mind either the fact of, I like the idea that nobody is above being benched or held accountable in his language. I mean, we've seen this with Jay Cox pretty much all year and we've talked about yeah. you know him being a alternate captain on the team and he's been, benched more at more often than he's played this year and the same with bushy I'm, I'm not sure if that if this sort of benching thing if that applied to, to bushy he didn't play great on on friday but right. he wasn't the wasn't the reason that they lost i don't think uh yeah i just i it, i felt it it was a weird time to do that um you, you might but i he's the coach i it's it seems like it's one of those inside the locker room sort of dynamics that me, Schmo, sitting a few time zones away, don't really feel uh, qualified to to really hammer him for it. That's why we have the podcast. That's the whole point of what we're doing here, Andrew, is just uh, second guess everything and pretend we know a lot more than anybody else. Because, well, that's true. Because that's we're on the internet. <laughs> that is that is true. Um, yeah, what do you do? Get, get your head out of your ass, Larson. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Hot take button. Um, So, I mean, it'll be it'll be fun to see how how he reacts to that. Uh, So it's him coming back against against North Dakota, slipping against Western Michigan. You know, we I I think this is a a series here where we just need to kind of make a stand, uh, so to speak. You know, we've got the long break coming up. You know, lay it all on the weekend. North Dakota just coming off an emotional series. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch and, and Driscoll coming back. I 
interested to see how that works. There's a lot of storylines here that uh, we can kind of get into. Um, so, kind of, what are, what are you looking forward to uh, seeing out of the Huskies this weekend? Yeah, it's uh, it's always it's always an event when North Dakota plays in St. Cloud. Yeah, I know. I expect good hockey. I expect the Huskies to play better than they, I sure hope they play better than they did in Kalamazoo. I think getting up for a rival in uh, North Dakota will help uh, in that effort. Uh, hopefully the, the, the rest here will help the, the guys that have been struggling with some injuries. It'd be great to see Hentges. Not sure what the percentage of that happening. And, and even part of me thinks, you know, after this week, he got three weeks off then until Bemidji. Maybe hold him out. Maybe hold him out until then might be. That's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where I'm thinking is just just hold him off. Like like I said earlier too, my or what I what I said last week when we we're talking about like our panic rankings and where we're at, you know. And I said that I'm kind of sitting here at a four, and you know, looking looking big picture, yeah. You know, make sure that he's healthy for when it really matters and, you know, give him a couple extra weeks off, really heal whatever is ailing him, you know, for him to get injured again, probably in because that's kind of what his career has been lately. Yeah. Try to try to get him going at, a, you know, put him on the ice when he's 100 mm-hmm. percent. If he's 80 percent this weekend, don't, I would sit him. I would keep him out. Um, if it's the second half of the year, if it's, you know, three weeks to go in the regular season, I think it's a little bit differently, but you have enough time here where, yeah, and you're right on the edge of an extended holiday break. Uh, I wouldn't mind, uh, just being extra cautious, uh, in this regard. I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the panic meter that we talked about last week. Cause I, I want to kind of clarify that as far as I, I put it at five right in the middle and. I will say that I think I am confident. I would be willing to put to put some money on the fact that I think the Huskies are going to make the NCAA tournament. So, couch my rating of five on the panic meter in those terms, at least. I mean, it might be reasonable to think. Well, if I think it's if I'm halfway panicked that this whole season is going to go to to crap. I still think that there is enough uh, on this team that is going to get you into the tournament. Uh, my sort of panic meter is I'm less and less convinced that this team can make a deep run in that in the tournament. Um, and a weekend like this is going to do a lot to move that panic meter level. At some yeah. point, at some point, yeah, I'm not. I would a split would be fine this weekend. Um, certainly would be better than getting swept, Captain Obvious. But at some point, I mean, they haven't. They played three series so far in conference and haven't had a six point weekend. You, you, you kind of need to to start picking up the points here, and tough task to to do that against uh, North Dakota where wherever you play them and whenever you play them, but. I'm kind of looking for a, a bit of a statement from this team, and I'm not going to be so bold as to predict that this weekend, especially coming off of the loss in performance. But uh, this team needs to step it up and, and show me something here uh, and just show me if they can make it. If they are going to be a deep run team turn, when come tournament time, uh, 
or if this is going to be a team that's more going to like struggle to have a whole ice playoff series in conference. Uh, I feel like that's, and I, I, I think this conference will get five teams at least into the tournament. So you don't even need mm-hmm. to be one of those teams. Uh, but, but just like I said, big picture and how far this team can go this year. That's where, 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 where that panic meter uh, is, is trying to capture. Cause I'm still unsure of, of what, uh, of, of how deep of a run this team can make. But so uh, it's a big opportunity this weekend. Uh, it's a good thing about the conference is you have these opportunities against the elite teams to, to quickly make up some ground and to forget about clunkers in the past. This isn't like the CCHA where, you know, the, there's not the, the opportunities to make up pairwise points uh, are limited. Uh, you got Dakota. You got a couple of series against uh, Duluth. You got a Denver series coming up. Uh, so going to get these opportunities to make some hay. And uh, that's good, but even better would be to convert uh, mm-hmm. on these, on these opportunities. So. And you brought up a really good point about, you know, the NCHC probably getting five teams in anyway, you know, and, you know, once you make the tournament, you know, anything can happen. So it's, you know, even getting swept at Western Michigan, I saw just so many tweets about how, you know, burn it down, like everything's going to hell and everything along those lines. Like, God, we have, we have been way too accustomed to being, you know, kind of, you know, one of the top programs in the country. If, if, getting swept at again a respectable team and in their barn it's you know we just have to look at it as some kind of perspective you know with the perspective of this being in the big picture that we do have a lot of teams we do play a tough schedule with a lot of against a lot of top teams and we you know in the end that's not going to hurt us a ton and all those wins are going to be really big bonuses especially when hockey east is as bad as they are and we've got that opportunity to get five or six in and so you know i I, i'm really interested to see how this team is going to bounce back and you know you know i would imagine larson's going to go back to the lineup that we're a little bit more familiar with and you know just you know kind of seeing how the huskies are are going to take a little bit of control uh, you know, for some of the, some of the four, forwards here with the uh, Gaber and Calder and whatnot for North Dakota that have been having such a strong season, and you know we've we've raved about our defense, and they're going to have you know kind of their work cut out for them, and and so that's going to be that that's going to be kind of the matchup I'm wanting watching the most is how uh, our defense kind of plays up against you know some of their top forwards and then also you know Sanderson kind of. You know, when he takes over a game, he's such a smooth skater and such a powerful, dynamic player. So I I'm worried I, I'm worried how the Huskies are gonna contain that contain him. And that's I I think if he kind of imposes his will on the Huskies, I think it's just gonna be a long weekend for St. Cloud. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him. He's gotta be an early Hobie candidate good field this year with all the Michigan guys and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, but he's going to be in the conversation, I think at the end of the year for, for the Hobie. I don't think they're, I mean, they were fairly active, uh, on the 
transfer wire uh, in the offseason. This this Calder that you mentioned is a uh, Lake State transfer. Connor Ford was a Bowling Green transfer. And these are two of their top four scorers at this point. Uh, and so I'm not sure about the depth of scoring being all that great for North Dakota and Sanderson's their, their top score. And he's obviously from the, uh, on the point. So I think that the, the Huskies, when things are going well for the Huskies and they, they didn't go so well the last time they played, but I think they can match up fairly well with their offense. Uh, uh, and you know, Driscoll's been good, not great. Say percentage is under 900 right now. Um, I think he's a better goalie than that. Um, just maybe accustoming or getting accustomed to the higher level of play in the NCHC, uh, perhaps. Um, and again, they've played a they've played a tough schedule as well. So, uh, and and he's going to be motivated to play one of his former teams. Um, mm-hmm. So, I I think the Huskies match up fairly well with with North Dakota, but I mean. You know, especially in a, in a rivalry situation like this, you can kind of throw records and stats out the window, and it's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 going to be a physical game and um, lots of emotion on the ice. I'm looking forward to to some good hockey. I I really hope the Huskies step up, step up their performance and give one of their best efforts of the year. Um, I think they have the motivation, not, not only from, from the Western series, but, you know, yeah, a disappointing end of the Omaha series. It's been a while since this team has, you know, has looked, uh, dazzling at on home ice. Mm-hmm. So maybe it gets to get, get, maybe this is the opportunity for them to, to step it up and, and, and prove a sort of on the fence kind of what's, you know, five out of 10 uh, panic button rating. <laughs> Give us a chance to be reassured. I guess. Yeah. Ease off a little bit on it. Uh, you know, I, I like that you mentioned their depth. Um, how, you know, I feel like North Dakota has in history, kind of been one of those top heavy teams where they kind of run one plus line one maybe two lines and you know now it might be a little bit of the case but they've i think they do have a lot more depth storing that's spread out uh that 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 can be a little bit a little bit concerning uh to a lot of other teams that hopefully isn't as concerning to the Huskies because our defense and our depth and our defense have been so good so far this year. But you know, if, if, if the Huskies lose you know, three to two, four to two, something along those lines, and it wouldn't surprise me if the score sheet just says, you know, goal scores are Constantini send in Caulfield and Hain. You know, and, you know, those, those those are people that, you know, they're not going to grab a ton of the headlines and they're not, you know, they're stalwart players, but, you know, they're, they've got a lot of spread out you know, depth that can be a little bit worrisome. And, and it, you know, if the Huskies are able to shut down that top line, but it's their depth that kind of burns us, I can see that happening. But I, I hope and I 
would imagine that the depth in our defense is definitely going to help with that as well. And we'll be able to neutralize that. That's what kind of makes this uh, matchup so interesting to me. And if Rennick can stay how Rennick has played, you know, it's going to be a, a tight two game. Yeah, and and as we've said, wondering what the lines are going to look at look like for St. Cloud, and I'm, I'm less, you know, that fourth line for the Huskies is, is more of a utilitarian. I don't think they're going to give them a ton of offense, but uh, you know, when things are going well, you're getting contributions, solid contributions from those top three lines. Yeah, uh, and however you jumble them up, uh, Fitzgerald Miller. You got the Finns, Radzinski Walker, and whatnot. They can all be sort of the top line. Doesn't really matter numbering them or ranking them. I put those three uh, lines up against North Dakota's. Uh, problem is, I mean, the second Western game, we didn't have those pairings really in place at all, and it resulted in a shutout loss. So uh, we'll see if. If uh, Larson decides to go back to what was working uh, earlier in the year, and I and I swear to God, if we go back to that half half ward power play one timer miss the net, I'm just going to go fetal and cry. (laughs) Just, (sighs) just end it. (laughs) Just give me sweet release at that point. We get we need to bring the grease pan a little bit this weekend. Yeah, right, right, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. I am buzzword Bobby. Uh, but it would, it would help. Yeah. I'd rather see some, uh, just disgusting goals rather than the, uh, the Robbie Jackson special, uh, which I've coined that phrase. So yeah, I, uh, you're not going to the games or any of the games this weekend. Are you, uh, this weekend, probably not, uh, with, you know, a four-year-old and twins. Uh, that are one and a half. It's, it's it's tough to go to any games, and you know, going to uh, North Dakota is or it's going to a, a game against North Dakota is maybe a little. It's not the most G-rated, um, yeah, opportunity to bring the family uh, to the to the ballpark, as they say. Yep, yeah, exactly. So you know, maybe maybe go with some of my old college buddies, but I've got no plans to. Um, at the moment, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how everything goes. We'll see how the weekend goes, and hopefully, we're going to get a good showing from the Huskies. So, um, yeah. uh, before we wrap, anything else? Um, I got one one question um, uh, for you, and um, but uh, not hockey related. So, if you want to go back to anything hockey related, anything more you want to touch on. Or any of your your Jerry Springer final thoughts? I did. Uh, I was surprised to see the Dryden McKay. Now he, he broke the shutout record, all all time NCAA shutout record, a couple of weeks ago. He men's, passed, yeah, men's. He passed Ryan Miller, twenty five or so shutouts career. Mm-hmm. But he got another one. He added to his record this weekend. But did you see? Lake State put five shots total. I thought that was all I game. thought that was a typo. I thought I, that was a typo when I looked at it. I, I had to look. I try. I had to verify that as well because I thought it was I, a typo. I think both teams were sort of a flu bug uh-huh. slash COVID kind of riddled 
So I don't think they were putting their best. And, and Mankato lost a one nothing game on Friday. Not a, not a good uh, result for them, obviously. Um, but I don't think they were playing at full strength either team. But um, yeah, and I mean the shutout record is a is a good one, and I'm not going to take too much away from it. But there's got to be a. I want to go back to see how many of those shut, shutouts were less than ten shots because I know there was a couple of those like with Huntsville and Anchorage that were. Not as low as five shots. I've never you, seen. You want to put an asterisk on Dryden McKay's legacy. Not an asterisk. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting context to it. I'm, I, would be, I would be confident to think that the Ryan Miller shutouts were a little bit more impressive against more impressive competition than the Dryden McKay streak. Uh, but You think they were? I mean, it was a more offensive era, uh, I think. Back then, um, I mean, I, I guess the CCHA had its fair the CCHA of, fair had its fair share of bottom. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, I mean, Huntsville and I mean the the bottom half of the the, the WCHA and at least the last couple of years the WCHA was pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I've never just. Hit that record aside, I've never seen a game with five shots total for a team. I mean, that is yeah. insane. Um, so that was a that was a result that I that stuck out to me this weekend. I did also watch and not not only that, but they were zero for six on the power. Play. Yeah, so they had five shots on goal and six power play opportunities. Which again, it's tough I don't, to do. I don't understand? It's yeah, tough, tough to do. And then I also did watch. Uh, Basically, the last half of the um, Madison Square Garden game against Cornell and Boston University. The decent game. Again, BU's not very good. And Cornell looks like pretty decent, especially coming off of a year where they took the year off last year. It's kind of a question mark with about the 10 teams or so, all the Ivies, and then he had a handful of others, RPI, Union, a couple of others that did not play last year. It was kind of a question is how well are these teams going to come back? And, you know, they lost some of those guys transferring and whatnot, but Cornell looks, uh, looks like they're pretty legit. I just was, I was laughing because the game was, it's weird. It was, it was on ESPN plus, which is they have a contract through the ECAC schools. And I, Cornell was wearing white, believe they were technically the home team, got the last shift or last change. But yet it was two BU guys were doing the game, announcing the game. And these guys were from New England, uh, very much, very obviously from New England. Thick Boston accents. It's like I'm watching the game for like two or three minutes. It's like, why am I hungry for clam chowder? <laughs> the red or the white? <laughs> it was... Uh... Yeah, it was it was entertaining in that regard. Plus, they were kind of salty because BU was losing the game, so that was kind of fun to. Oh, they've to lost watch all that. year, uh, and so. it seems like yeah, I mean, I, it's they've been doing this Madison Square Garden game once a year. I think Cornell's in it every year. I think BU's been in it more often than not, but not every year. I think they played some other opponents uh, in the game, um, but it seemed like a very very good crowd. I mean, not a sellout or anything, but it seemed like a pretty, pretty good atmosphere for, for a midseason game uh, between the two teams. So I, I enjoyed watching that one. Um, 
And then I did also text you one more. I did text you that uh, we kind of we kind of called it that uh, Long Island uh, notched probably their biggest win in school history. Biggest win in school history there against Miami. Which is notable because it was a win, period. They haven't had many of those. Um, But I'd say that I watch most of the Saturday game, especially um, fair amount of the Friday game, too. And it was no fluke that they beat him on Friday. Outchanced them all weekend, even Saturday. It was about two to one shot advantage for Long Island. Although Miami was able to to pull out the win on Saturday. But geez, uh, come on, Miami. <laughs> like, don't be dragging our conference down here with these terrible losses against terrible teams. Miami, uh, get it together. <laughs> and Miami, who just lost the defenseman, too, as um he bolted um, kind of at a at a weird time. Every once in a while, like midseason, we'll have you know some kind of person you know drop out or whatnot. Um, but to to do it in in November is, is quite an interesting tactic, and probably not a good sign for Miami going forward if they're losing guys that are just being like, you know what, not, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. I'll spend my time in. Somewhere in Tennessee, playing for the ECHL or wherever, wherever he went. And their goalie, too, the the preseason goalie of the year, which that's not looking so hot of a prediction. Um, um, although I don't think he's their number one problem, obviously, but uh, he, he got hurt on Friday. So they had to win with their backup on Saturday. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's still amazing. The first weekend or first week of the year in the first season of the NCHC, the number one team in college hockey, according to the US Show poll, according to the unassailable voters at US Show, the number one team in the country was Miami. And to see how far that program has gone down, it's sad, really. They were the number one team. When when were they the number one? Team? They would have been like the, pre- the conference. They would have been the preseason no- number one team in what 2013, the first oh, year gotcha. of the NCHC, and then uh, and that's I mean they had one they had one year where they the second year of the NCHC where they made the tournament they they won the conference tournament and then they made the tournament. Uh, other than that, it's been seventh and eighth place yeah. in every single year. New coach and our not so new. I think he's in his third year, but Blasey was is fired and and this Bergeron doesn't seem to be turning around anytime soon either. So uh things don't look so hot in uh, in Oxford. Yeah. Now that's a series we should sweep. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into that one. We... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So um one one question um I want to ask you and you know I'll give you a little bit of time because I'll 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 talk about you know my answer and that would be what would be your best worst superpower that you could have like if you were if you had one superpower but it would be really great but it wouldn't be like you know something useful like in a grand scheme of things like like not like teleportation or flying 
whatnot, you know, kind of what what superpower would you have? And um, I thought about that for a while, and I decided that mine would be the ability to find stuff. Like, if I could never lose a thing, if I could have that superpower, absolutely love it. Like, I had to tear apart my house for two days straight looking for my daughter's stuffed bunny. And to see the look in her eye, a four-year-old's eye, wondering where her stuffed animal was and you don't have an answer, oh, it was heart-wrenching. It broke me. She had those big eyes. She was so sad. Finally found it, shoved between two books in the bookcase. Don't know how it got there. But if I could, you know, and I could use that, like, for golf, you know, if I slice it into the woods. <laughs> Betting is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. <laughs> um, and I could always find my golf ball. I would love it. That would be wonderful. You know, so I think that, that would be my pick. My other runner-up pick would never have to wait at a red light. That would that would be my other my other superpower is I could control the traffic lights. That that would be awesome. So yeah, that's not bad. the The finding things is a good one because I think that um, like finding my keys, car yeah. keys. I it's like I, I I when I struggle to do it, it's like oh, I'm playing the keys game again. Where I got, I'm like, where are my keys? Yeah, go to the, the, the jeans pocket. Uh, a lot Coat of times, just, yeah, a lot of times they're like on my table or something right in front of my face. Uh, that that's a good one. I like the um. What about like you know the they got like the uh, electronic walkways in the in the airports? Mm-hmm. If there's like an ability to do that, just in general. Sort of like a escalator feet. J- j- just a, thing. a I'm mostly a saying one. I'm mostly saying that because I've I, I got a bum knee right now and I'm kind of ah. hobbling around. So that maybe just is a temporary like oh boy, it'd be nice to just glide wherever I go. Um I think that's a good for the very specific question here. I mean you're you're one <laughs> you're runner-up of Maybe I can be a, a pro golfer. Seems to be a little bit of a cheat. I well, mean, not a pro golfer. That, that I could find my you golf don't, ball. Oh, just want okay. I thought that it was mostly like just yeah, just make me into a PGA Tour pro. <laughs> no, I mean it. yes, I would love that, but I think that's outside of the scope of. So it was of, still sort of a pony back, uh, uh, piggyback on the finding things. Yes, yeah. Uh, if I could never lose yeah. a golf ball. Would, would be great gotcha. because I could hit it and be like, oh, I know where it is. Well, yeah, I'll go with escalator movements. Um, off Again, you, you sprung it on me here the last minute. So I, if I come I up with a better one, I will text you this? immediately. Everybody, I want uh, everybody to uh, tweet me at more clappers. Tweet me your answer. Let me know. And uh, then the. Uh, if you think of a better one, we can come back, revisit. You know, maybe I'll read some answers. If anybody's made it this far into the podcast, I don't know. Who knows? But uh, yeah, just the best worst superpower. I like it. Is... We'll, we'll vote on the best one next week. Exactly. I, I like finding things. 
Well, uh, that about does her. So uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. And uh, until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!